0: Let's pray together. Father God, we pray for this, your word, that you would use me to proclaim the truth of your word, and that you would, by your spirit, enliven our hearts and minds to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. We are continuing on in our series on the foundational triads of the truth, and we've been focusing on God the Father. Uh, We talked about who is God a few weeks ago. Uh, Last week, we talked about... uh, Uh, God and his creative aspects. And we're going to talk about God's omniscience this week or what God knows. The storage of information is an amazing thing and in these modern times we have the ability to store vast amounts of information in very small spaces. This is called a flash drive. This particular flash drive can hold 250 gigabytes of data. A gigabyte is Uh, 1 billion individual pieces of information. And so this device can hold just under 5 million printed pages of text. Scientists have a rough idea that the average mature human uh, brain can hold about 3 terabytes of information. And so that's about 3 trillion bits of information. Some of those bits can be readily accessed, Uh, Maybe you haven't thought of something for a while, but you remember it. I can still remember the phone number that I had when I was a child, (laughs) 715-667-5234, and some of you probably can recall that number as well. I can remember lyrics to songs that I haven't heard in 35 years. And even though a capacity of three trillion bits of information seems like a lot, it's very limited compared to the knowledge of God. Consider the fact that God has numbered the hairs on every human head. Some estimate that the total population of Earth since the creation could be around 100 billion people. In my barber studies, we learned that there are about 100,000 hairs on the human head. Although for myself and maybe Brett, we're a little challenged in that way, right? Some other people have thicker hair, they've been blessed with that. My wife Mary has very thick hair and so maybe you'd have a little bit more. But it would take 3,333 people just to remember that particular aspect of what God knows in our limited terabyte information that we can store. But our text today makes it clear that our Heavenly Father knows much more about us than just the number of hairs on our head. And we're going to look through this with David and his response to this knowledge as well. These points are in your bulletin, and so you can follow those along if you'd like to as well. First of all, we're gonna talk about what God knows about us personally. David here starts out and declares that God knows our daily activities. In verse two, he says, "'You know when I sit and when I rise.'" Now, the wonder of this reality to me is how mundane it is to know when somebody is sitting and when they are rising. I think one of the most boring jobs in the history of jobs has got to be private detective, right? The movies kind of glamorize it, make it look a little bit better than it is, but really it's just a lot of sitting in your car, recording when somebody arrives at their house, when they leave their house, all of those kinds of things. And so they could go for weeks or months without any kind of break in the case. And so God is interested in that aspect of us, our sitting, our rising, our daily life. Nothing escapes his attention. If you're like me, many times you've probably been going through your day and maybe you kind of forgot about God. I mean, he's like in the back of your mind, right? But you haven't really actively thought about God or what he's doing or what he's doing in your life, particularly in that moment. And yet God is always conscious of us. He's always thinking about us. The second thing we note here from David is that God knows my thought life and my motives. In verse 2 it says, he discerns my thoughts. From afar. Now, one of the disadvantages of being a private detective is you have to wait for physical evidence for the person to actually do something before you can have a break in the case. Not so with God. He knows each and every thought about our daily activities. He knows what I think about that guy with the big truck who keeps taking up two spots in front of my house right now. As I was laying at night thinking about him last night, I wonder what I could do to that guy, you know, know. He knows what you're thinking as you sit here in church. He knows what you think about that guy who cuts you off in traffic. He knows all of our secret ambitions in life. Another aspect of this knowledge is that he knows our thoughts and motives even before we think them, because he knows what the source of our thoughts are, what our motives are. He knows why we are the way that we are. How did we become how we are? Perhaps your father was an alcoholic, and so God knows that's why you're scared all the time. Perhaps your mother was very critical, and so God knows why you struggle to feel confident in a crowd. Perhaps he knows, like me, you were bullied in grade school, and now you feel like you have to put walls up, or little shields here, I guess, as you gather in new relationships. The next thing we note here from David is that he knows our future, or he calls it our path. One of the things that we can know about somebody's past um, is just different things that we've seen and those are easy to discern a little bit but to know somebody's future is entirely different. Back in California about a half a mile from the church there there was a business called a psychic advisor and whoever that person is or was was not a per- probably a very good psychic advisor because the parking lot was always empty because if that person could actually tell somebody their future, the line would have been about five miles long of people coming in trying to find out about their future life. There's only one who truly knows our path. He knows where life is going to lead us. He knew that Scott Stroud would be your senior pastor here someday at Elam Lutheran Church. He knew that Don and Gloria would be get hit, hit by a car in their path one day, just walking along and suddenly this thing happens to them. There are no surprises, and we can take great comfort in that. Even in the random things of life that seem just out of our control, we know that God still has control over all these things. Next, we see here that David states, he knows the time of our death. Here we see it in verse 3 again, and he knows my lying down. Now, this could mean in reference to sleeping, you know, you lie down and sleep, but it also can mean that he knows the day of your death. Later in verse 16, David says that all of his days were written in God's book. When I was a child, I watched a fantasy movie in which the main character of the movie was cursed by knowing the day of his death. And as a kid, I thought, what's such a curse about that? That'd be kind of cool, right? Knowing the day of your death and then you can know how much stuff you can get done in your life. But you know, in God's wisdom, he has not allowed us to see that day of our death because the Bible tells us that we should not worry about tomorrow because today has enough worry of its own. And if you knew the day of your death, you'd always be thinking about that, worrying about it. Many times when we get a particular disease like cancer, the doctor will say something like, well, I give him six months to live. Not that the doctor is omniscient or knows precisely this, but rather he's giving an estimate based on his experience. One of my aunts had that happen to her. They gave her six months to live, and sure enough, that was about the time that she had. But my kids and I and Mary were sitting around the table, and we began to talk about that. Uh, What would you do if you knew that you had six months to live? And I thought to myself, you know, I. Lord, I I hope that I wouldn't change too much about my life. I hope that I'm living my life in such a way now as if today were my last day. Not putting off those things that I wish I could do. Not writing that letter, you know, or not putting that off. Not putting off forgiving that person or reconciling that relationship. And so God knows when I lie down and when I will take my final rest and I can take great comfort in in the fact that I know that God will not allow my life to be any longer or shorter than he has deemed. Next, we see here that God knows all of my ways. Here, uh, uh, David says in verse 3, you are acquainted with all my ways. Each of us have different ways of doing things, different ways of thinking about things. And as the old saying goes, variety is the spice of life. Wouldn't it be boring if everybody was exactly like you, right? And I think part of the reason that God created us this way with so many different quirks and so many different personalities is it reflects his image. We are made in the image of God, and God's image or God's person is infinite. And so there are an infinite number of people that he could create, and each one would be different because they reflect a specific aspect of his personality. And yet many of us fight against our personality. Maybe we think our personality is a little weirder than the next guy, or we try to be like somebody else. But we can take comfort in the fact that God already knows our personality. He knows what he created us to be. He didn't create me to be like you, and he didn't create you to be like me. When I first met Pastor Hoff, and you all met him, uh, his personality is very bubbly. He exudes life, he's very enthusiastic. And when I met him, in the back of my mind I thought, well, I wonder if the people are going to expect me to be like Pastor Hoff. And started to think about changing the way that I relate, because my relation, if you've gotten to know me a little bit in public, a lot of my thought life is under the surface. It doesn't come flying out all over the place in uh, society or when I'm dealing in a situation with a lot of people. And yet Pastor Hoff was very bubbly like that. And I began to think about that, and I thought, you know, The Lord made me who I am. If I try to begin to be like Pastor Hoff, I'm going to be fighting my own personality and become miserable because I can't be who God didn't create me to be. And so for you too, maybe you've been struggling with your personality. Maybe you've been thinking about some of those flaws that you have or things that you wish you were different in. I wish I was more uh, bubbly. I wish I was happier. I wish whatever your thing that you wish is, Don't fight against God, his personality. He and his wisdom has created you to be the way that you are today. Next thing we see here, and finally, is that he knows our speech. Uh, David says here, even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it altogether. It's interesting that David puts this at the last of the list because for many of us, that's the very first thing we notice about somebody is their speech. They walk up to us, say hello or talk to us about something, and we begin to discern them, and our understanding of them is shaped by how they talk to us or the words that they say. But for God, it seems like this is the least significant aspect because it's also the most unruly and misinterpreted part of who we are. How many of you have said something and you wish you could take it back? I didn't really say that like I wanted to say it, right? I wish you could say something different. It's even worse now with emails and text, right? Because as soon as you hit send, it's out there and they don't have anything on your face or expression uh, to gauge you by. We see in James 3 that the tongue is unruly. And so this is the last aspect. But God knows our speech even before it's on our tongue. He doesn't have to rely on our fumbling words to make sense of what we're talking about. I had a friend named Bud Abbott who just passed uh, recently almost 100 years old when he died. But in his old age, he had had some kind of mini strokes and different things, and so his speech was very fumbled and very garbled, and so uh, as I would sit and talk to him, it was almost trying to understand a foreign language, really working hard to pick up on what he was saying. But I can guarantee you this, God had no trouble hearing Bud Abbott's prayers. And so if you are frustrated with, "I, I try to get words out and I can't say what I mean, don't worry, God knows your heart and he knows uh, what you're trying to say. Here the thing, uh, the text here shifts and we shift into David's response to God's knowledge of him. What does David think about as he knows this about God and this, his omniscience? Well, first of all, it says that he squeezes me in or it says in the ESV, you hem me in behind and before. And so David take, takes comfort in this understanding that God is all-knowing. It hems him in, it protects him. He knows that God has placed his hand upon him. And that's the response we can have for those of us who are in Christ. Those who have placed their trust in Jesus, you can know that God hems you in. In all aspects of our life, he's like a rock wall or a fortress, as David says, in other places. But do you know for those who don't know the Lord, That hand on their shoulder is not the hand of a loving father, it's the hand of the police officer. Their experience of God is much different than the Christian. They know that they can't get away from the Lord. In the book of Revelation, as the wrath of God is being poured out upon the earth and mankind, rocks are coming down, mountains are falling, the people here that are left on the earth and have not been taken by the Lord run into caves and hide they hide from the face of God. That's not our response, Christians. When we see God face-to-face, you know what his response is going to be? One of love. Many times we were talking in the Bible study a little bit earlier yesterday for the men's Bible study, and we were talking about this, I don't know if you've ever gotten this too, but you, this fear of dying. Like, is God really going to you know, accept me? There's this kind of inner struggle we have But I'm here to reassure you that when God the Father looks at you, just ask this question. Is he mad at Jesus? Is he mad at his son? No, he's not mad at his son. He loves his son very much. He's very well pleased with him. And that's why we're going to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. Now enter into the joy of your Lord. That faithfulness with a little, by the way, on our part, is faith in the Lord. That's the only faithful thing you need to be faithful in, trusting in him, and know that he is going to uh, accept you into his care. But even in death, the God of the universe is there to judge the ungodly. They come to the full realization that he knew everything about them, and there was nothing hidden. There were no skeletons in the closet. By the way, all those skeletons, all those things that you don't want people to know, it's coming out (laughs) sooner or later. In ancient Israel, after shearing time, the shepherds would leave a small tuft of wool on the top of their particular sheep and they'd have it in a special shape. And so, in the midst of all the chaos, they knew their sheep from the other ones in that big mess there. For those of us who have that little shape of the cross on us, we know that God is drawing us close, He's protecting us, He's comforting us in the midst of our troubles. The next response that David has here is he says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Wonder and awe. And as I was studying this, I was so thankful for the knowledge that the Lord had for me and of me. Because sometimes we don't even understand ourselves, do we? Why do I do the things that I do? Why am I the way that I am? But I can take comfort in the fact that God knows me. He knows my heart. He knows my life, and I don't need to have control over every aspect of my life. I don't need to be a control freak, because ultimately things are out of control. God has control, though. The most panicked I get is Sunday mornings, okay? There are so many aspects to the service, and especially being new, you want, you know, to give a good impression, I guess, or that, you know, hey, this guy knows what he's doing, or whatever, but I realize so much is out of my control, and back at St. Ansgar's, I had actually more control. I was like, I did the bulletins, I make sure everything was in there, make sure they're passed out. Here, it's better, I think, for me, just personally, the Lord working on me, because so much is out of my control. The screen, and you know, the music, and the tech, and all these things. But I can rest in the fact that God, he's going to do his work here, no matter how terribly it goes. I mean, we're just going to work hard to try to make it a good experience without distractions. But ultimately, it's God's Spirit that's working on you. I don't need to freak out about those things. I don't know if you're old enough or you're young enough maybe to remember the comfort of being in your parents' arms, your mother's arms or your father's arms, or this safety and security that you get from that. But that's what David feels here. He feels the comfort of a father's arms around him, saying that everything's going to be all right, David. Don't worry. I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. And finally, David says here, I cannot attain it. This is the last response. Amazement that we can't understand it. And by the way, you'll never fully know God's knowledge. Now, some people might think of that verse, well, what about the verse that says, you know, we know in part, but there we'll know fully as we are fully known, right? What about that? That is not talking about all the knowledge of God. That knowledge is infinite. You will never get to the bottom of what God knows. It's completely infinite. And that's exciting, too, because the discovery of life, learning new things, that's one of the joys about being in the Lord or being a human being. And so my question here this morning for you to ponder is, why would you want to rely on your own strength and your own knowledge in dealing with the problems of life? Why would I rely on my limited understanding, my three terabytes when it comes to my finances or a future spouse? We have the Holy Spirit within us. We can access that power of God for our lives, that knowledge and discernment. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God and he will give freely without finding fault. If you need wisdom in the area of your daily life, ask the one who knows when you sit and when you rise if you need wisdom in regard to your motives or your insecurities ask the one who discerns your thoughts from afar if you need wisdom regarding your future ask the one who knows your path if you're scared of dying ask the one who knows what time you will lie down If you need wisdom because you don't like your personality traits and you wake up every morning and look in the mirror and you go Bleh. ask the one who knows your ways If you're frustrated because your words don't match your thoughts or your heart, ask the one who knows your speech before you even speak a word. In conclusion this morning, the first day I started my ministry, nine and some years ago now, a person walked up to me at the congregation and said, Pastor, we're so glad you're here to throw your two cents into the mix. And I thought, boy, there's never a more true word said (laughs) when it comes to my contribution into the mix of things. Because basically, I have three terabytes to offer to all of you. And you have three terabytes to offer me. But do you know what else we have? We have the unlimited knowledge of the Spirit within us. That he can lead and guide us in all these things. We have this amazing word of God before us that contains all wisdom and understanding. And so, God who is ultimate and infinite is here. And we are eager and willing to give us the help that we need. He's willing and eager to help you in all the problems that you're facing today. And Father God, we thank you so much for your omniscience, the knowledge that you have of us, and how you know us, and as we've tried to scratch the surface a little bit of God the Father, this, this understanding of who you are, Lord, help us to grow in that day by day, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.